All right. Hey, John, welcome back to another working session, man. I know I am coming off of a family vacation, a week-long family vacation. We went to see my mom halfway there, and then we went to the beach for a few days, and now we're coming back. So I'm in that lovely place where like life is perfect and there's nothing to worry about, but then reality comes and smacks you upside the head, and you're like, wait a second, I do have all these obligations. I do have all these responsibilities. And you kind of, it, it's as painful as it is, it's kind of like you just jump back into the same routine and, and problems. You only kind of put them on pause for a little bit. So it's that, that weird melancholy or like bittersweet feeling like, man, that was great. And that was really enjoyable, but also I'm exhausted. And also I have so much to do and I feel really behind, you know, it's just that, that mixed emotions <laughs> right now. I, that's my world. I don't mean yeah. to bring you down, but, uh, how are, how are things going on your side? Things are good, man. I am not in that post vacation halo yet. I am leaving here in a couple of weeks, going to go to Mexico city for about five days with my wife, leave the kid with my, uh, with my mom, actually going to be flying her out from Virginia. And then I'm going to be heading straight over to Cabo for a conference for Cabo press with Chris Lemma and a bunch of other, like both product and agency entrepreneurs, mostly kind of around the WordPress space, but you know, not, not as much anymore, but I'm, I'm doing well, you know, I'm, I'm busy. I got a lot of things going on, you know, like both Credo and Editor Ninja have kicked back up, you know, just people coming off vacation, right. And people getting back to work. And it was a, it was a, a slow summer. But things are just firing on all cylinders now. My wife and I are also closing on a new house here in Denver tomorrow. So we've been dealing with that and all the inspection stuff and just like, you know, signing a million documents and and all those things. So we will be moving in there for a number of months. We're going to rent it back to the sellers for a little bit and then do some updates and then move in targeting February, March, move in. So and then we'll list current house in Denver on the market like spring because it'll show really well. We've got like apricot trees out front and black cherry trees mm. in the back. And they'll all be blooming and you know, it'll look awesome. Yeah. So like just a ton of, you know, ton of things going on. I kind of feel like I've had a ton of big projects that I'm working on that are like coming to a close before I had to, I had to Mexico. So this has been a sprint. It's been busy, but it's been good. You know, I'm, I'm one of these people that when things are super busy, I'm just like, I'm at my best actually. So I, I actually kind of create chaos and I create busyness when I'm not, because I know that I, I work better when I have a lot of things going on. So yeah, so that's what's, you know, kind of going on, like on the work side, you know, family's good. Daughter started soccer. So, you know, seeing three, three-year-olds playing soccer is just like hilarious. My wife is the coach, so it's it's just really funny to watch, but the weather's turned beautiful in Colorado. Leaves are starting to change. So yeah, can't can't complain too much, man. Wouldn't do me any good awesome. anyways, but uh, you know, it's all self-inflicted. Yeah, I'm right there with you, especially with the the points about kids activities resonate with me. Like we came back and it's like the Monday we come back, my son's got a gymnastics class, his first one. And you know, he's two and a half. So we'll see if he likes that. And then it's swim lessons <laughs> on Wednesday and ballet on Thursday and soccer on Saturday morning. It's like, oh yeah, we're back to, back to reality. There's a lot going on. So, uh, yep. 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 Yeah. And you've got, you got multiple kids too. You know, I've just, yeah. I've just got one. So, you know, I can't imagine <laughs> a couple kids just, I know my brother-in-law and sister-in-law have two kids and it's, busy. It's really busy. Yeah. You know, they're all doing their own things. My niece does dance. My nephew's doing soccer, I think, and maybe something else. And, you know, it's just, it's a lot, but Hey man, it, it's also totally worth it. I think so. You only get so much time with them, you know, so make the most of it. I, I try not to complain even as, as stressful as it, or annoying as it may be. It's like, you only get so much time. My wife and I were on a walk last night with our daughter up to get dinner. And my daughter is like, I mean, she's just such a cuddly kid and she like, was grabbing both of our hands and like pulling on us. And on the one side, it's annoying. And my wife looked at me and she's like, you know, there will be a time when we're not able, where she doesn't want to hold our hands anymore. And so like, as much as I don't want to be touched right now, this is like, I'm, I'm just going to live it up. So it's a yeah. good perspective to have, I think. So yeah, there you go. That's the last thing I'll say about kids. 
Yeah, those little moments pop up quite a bit. Well, listen, hey, I brought the icebreaker today, so let me let me introduce it, I guess. I was thinking this morning about key performance indicators, KPIs, or however you want to characterize them, just performance metrics for a business. And I think there's this interesting idea around like, what is the right balance of knowing your numbers, you know, if you watch Shark Tank or anything like that, or if, yeah, what's the what's the popular podcast that is that I'm missing it, but where he basically grills these founders. Oh, Nathan Latka. So so yeah. if you watch like Shark Tank or you or follow Nathan Latka, he's got a podcast and like they're basically grilling these people on like, what's your customer acquisition cost? What's your, you know, margin per unit economics? What is your budget for this, that, and that, the other thing? And it's like, okay, on the one mm-hmm. hand, you need to know your numbers. On the other hand, which numbers are not particularly helpful to know a lot about? Like you can fall into this analysis paralysis because you're just so deep in these dashboards and these reporting systems and things like that. So I think that's kind of the high level idea here is like, how do we individually think about keeping a finger on the pulse of how our business is doing and tracking the health, but also not necessarily letting that hold us back from doing the work that's going to make those numbers look a little bit better, right? So how do you think about KPIs, maybe in terms of Editor Ninja as something that's more early stage compared to Credo, which is more established or any of the other businesses you've worked in? I think it's a great question. And I actually tweeted something about it today with Credo because I recently, like a month ago, set up this integration using this tool called ARC Analytics, A-R-C Analytics, which basically is a Slack bot that I integrate my analytics, Google Analytics with. And then every day, it posts the previous days. So like today it posted yesterday's traffic and they compared it to the previous, like that same day, the previous week, right? So it compared it to the 7th of September. And then it also gives me a weekly roundup on like every Monday. It's like last week, Credo had whatever, 5,000 visitors. That is up 17% from the previous week, you know, sort of thing. So the way I think about this, there's there's kind of levels of it. There's the like, I like having kind of the pulse of what's going on, right? Because if you like, Yesterday on Wednesday, Credo had 50 visitors. I'd be like, that's 95% too low. What is going on there? You know, so like that just kind of keeps me. But And then I learned this from SAS Academy. I use what I call a precision scorecard. Use it at both companies. So basically I have every week we're going through and we're looking at our main kind of like KPIs. I'll, I can talk about what those are. And I also have a marketing one, which is basically like how much traffic overall do we get? How many sessions? You know, how many leads? How many calls? on Credo, how many projects on Editor Ninja, how many customers, like that sort of thing. And so I gather that every week at Credo, my assistant gathers it at Editor Ninja. I do it still, but it, this basically helps me keep a pulse on weekly. How are we doing? And then that rolls up to monthly and then that rolls up to quarterly and that rolls up to annually. So, but it all comes off of like getting it on that, you know, each specific week. So that's kind of my framework for it. And I found I in, in, implemented that at Credo about two years ago and it was just huge for the company, just for, you know, all of us to be able to see kind of what's going on, look at the metrics, et cetera. We talk about it in our weekly meeting there. We go through the metrics. We talk about, you know, how we're doing towards the monthly goal, like all that sort of stuff. Obviously it's not that formalized at Editor Ninja. It's more just for me to kind of keep that muscle going and have numbers over time that I can, you know, that eventually once we start doing, once I have a, you know, more of a full-time team there and we're running more of like an EOS sort of system, then we can, you know, kind of, you know, it, the numbers are already there and the, the processes are built. So that's how I think about it. How do you think about it? And then it might be worthwhile kind of talking about like, what are the KPIs that both of us look at? If you look at specific KPIs. 
Yeah, yeah. I think you mentioned EOS. We've been running that at The Good for a while, and we ran that at my previous organization. I will say one thing I really like about that is they have this concept of the scorecard, and it's part of the the weekly team meeting, basically. They call it an L10 meeting, but it is a, a an item mm-hmm. on the agenda. And the way that they present that is, hey, if the CEO was sitting on an island on vacation and all they had in front of them was their phone, what are the five numbers or less that they would need to know how the business is doing while they're out of the office and to get a good snapshot? shot. And I think that's a good like Mm. constraint to focus on the most important things, right? And not get too mired down in all the possible data. Cause like every tool you use this these days has an analytics tab to it. And it's like, well, yeah, I could do analytics for Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. And I could do all those individually, but like what really matters is probably some collection of all those numbers together and, and just call it audience growth, right? Or something like that. So I try to simplify and keep things to half a dozen items or less. And what I like to start with is things that are closest to the money or that I can attribute sales to and work backward from there. So it's like for the good, it might be revenue is generated by sales calls, right? Or number of proposals sent or something like that. So I work backward from there. Okay, so what what results in a proposal? It's a sales call. What results in a sales call? It's a free landing page teardown. And there's a HubSpot form associated mm-hmm. with that. So we can measure that. Um, what gets us to a landing page showdown? It's a CTA block in a blog article that we write, or it's a custom link for social media that has a UTM parameter associated or something like that. I, I kind of work my way back from dollars and I try to stay as close to them as I can because those feel like they're going to be the most impactful things. But at the same time, I try to balance it out between top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel. So top of funnel might be very big picture audience growth. Is our email newsletter growing? Are our social media followings growing? Is our traffic growing? And then middle of funnel might be like, what are those initial actions where somebody shows that they might be a qualified prospect or at least an interested prospect? And that's usually book a sales call, download an ebook, take a survey or fill Mm -hmm. out a quiz, get a free landing page, tear down some kind of request where they're like trying to connect with us. And then bottom of funnel would be, you know, those sales calls that are a little bit closer to closing the deal, sending proposals, that kind of thing. So I don't know, that's how I think about it is I try to get it down to as few items as possible, keep it as close to the money as I can, but also have some balance between like, I want to measure top of funnel, not just bottom of funnel, because I can't, the bottom of funnel is the output of all the activity. So I need to know like, very quickly when things are drying up at the top of the funnel. And so I can take action on those soon because eventually they're going to trickle down and have a negative impact on revenue at the bottom of the funnel. So I don't know. That's how I think about it. If you want to get into specific metrics, I'm down for that. But philosophically, that's my approach. Yeah, I like that. I would also say, though, like, I mean, with Castaway, you're also looking fully at the business, right? Like it is, you know, it is your company. And so the one thing that I would add on there as you're like, exec dashboard, right? And and think about yourself as the as the exec on the island that you only have your phone and you can only get like one text message a week and it's only a certain number of characters, right? Like let's get it down real small. Like for me, the things I need to know are, you know, how much traffic do we get to the site? How does that look week on? How many demos did we give, right? So this is Editor Ninja specifically. Yeah. How many demos did we give? How many new customers did we get? And how much cash do we collect? Those are basically the four I need to know, right? That I have to know. I do look at things like, like at Editor Ninja, for example, what I do is I'm just pulling up my spreadsheet here. I do look at, so like my top kind of level for marketing specifically is how many sessions, how many page views, how many leads do we get, how many calls were scheduled, how many customers do we get and how many customers churned. And then I break all of that down by channel. And I also look for like SEO. I look at search console impressions. I look at our click-through rate, right? I have that number. 
how many demos do we get booked? You know, Google ads, how many sessions, how much do we spend? What was our cost per click? How many leads do we get? Right. And then you can get to cost per lead. Do that for every channel. And then I also look at like, how many pages do we have of our demo page, right? Which is where people mainly schedule. It's a little bit not correct for editor ninja simply because we have book a demo, like book an editorial assessment, like scheduling things through Savvy Cal on all of our services pages. So people could be booking from there, right? They're, especially they're coming from SEO or paid ads or something. But then I look, how many leads? What was our, you know, conversion rate views to demos? But then for my scorecard, I basically break it down by like product marketing, customer success, and like ops slash admin. And so in product, it's how many demos were scheduled? How many demos were given? How many words did we edit? How many documents were submitted? Marketing is the same number of things. It's, you know, sessions, organic sessions, demo page, page view, that sort of stuff. Blog post published is another one I look at because that leads to organic growth. And then in, in customer success, it's basically how many documents were submitted. And then in ops admin, it's how much cash was collected, how much of that was one-off documents, how much of that was subscriptions. And then basically how are we, and then with that, it, I also have our, so I have at the end, I have our broken down by week. Then I have our, what's our actual for the month? What's our target for the month? And then the very last column is, how are we doing towards our goal for the month? So I can mm -hmm. see, like, I can look at any one time. I'm like, okay, as of end of last week, here's how we're doing towards our goal. I'm really impressed by the level of sophistication there in terms of like, even just the thought of having a target for individual metrics for me right now is like, I just don't feel like we're there, nor do I have the time for it. Like, I don't think the, the business is mature enough to even venture a guess at like, how many sales calls I should expect this month or whatever. That's just my personal opinion, but maybe that's some of the benefit of being mm -hmm. able to effectively like copy and paste some of the stuff from the experience at Credo and just being like, I know that someday I want to track this. Yeah. And even if the numbers are small and they're all over the place and there's no real trend line to analyze right now, I, I can mm -hmm. basically have all that infrastructure built out ahead of time. So when the time comes, like I'm already in a solid foundation. I don't know if that's the case, but that, that would be my gut intuition is like, that's probably what's going on here. Yeah, it's 100% the case. And I was actually, as I was on my walk this morning, I like to record like videos of myself kind of talking. And I, tried, I started like a personal, just like for fun, like super unedited, like stream of consciousness, like John talking like podcast on Anchor. Probably a month ago, I published like four or five episodes. And uh, the one I was recording today was all about like kind of differences between first and second business. Or really, it's like second and third business because Editor is technically my third business because I have my SEO consultancy, Credo. And then now editor ninja. And so like, I've learned a ton through each of those, but like, what are the things that I'm, I'm taking from my experience with Credo applying to editor ninja? And this is one of them. It's like, I have a good, like when I started Credo, I had no idea of my metrics. I had no idea how to measure anything. And so I was like, kind of scared and couldn't invest in things. And now like, I know all of my numbers at editor ninja. I've known it from the start. I also, every month look at our, you know, I basically do a P and L obviously we do it like super sophisticated at Credo. I have someone that puts it together for me, keeps back books, et cetera. At Editor Ninja, it's basically like, how much did we collect, right, from Stripe, Stripe plus PayPal now, I guess. How much of that is MRR? How much of that was one-off documents? What were our expenses? How do those expenses break down between like contractors, software, that kind of thing? What's our profit? So basically like, what's our EBITDA? And then I'm also carving off, like I'm starting to pay myself from the business. So I basically, my goal right now is up to a certain amount of revenue, probably somewhere around like 500K a year in, in revenue. So 41, you know, six uh, MRR. I'm going to pay myself 20% of revenue. Mm -hmm. That's going to be what I pay myself. So I'm calculating that. So even now it's super small. It's like, okay, last month, you know, it was whatever we did, you know, 4k in revenue. And so like, I'm, I paid myself 800 bucks, not a ton. 800 bucks is not meaningful to me personally, but like also just baking that in from the start helps me grow an actually profitable business as opposed to like, yeah, we're profitable from day one, but I wasn't paying myself. Right. So like, are you actually right. profitable? So like, <laughs> 
running a truly profitable, you know, food chef company. So anyways, it, it has been super helpful. And I should, I should share this like precision scorecard thing with you, by the way, <laughs> I will do that <laughs> yeah. after this because it'd be helpful for you yeah. with Castaway. My next question was going to be, is it powered by something like Google data studio or gecko board or data box? Like I know there are a bunch of these like dashboard visualization tools that'll let you plug a bunch of inputs in and basically give you a single source of truth for all your different metrics. Or is it something that you've kind of rolled yourself in Excel or Google sheets or something like that? It's in Google Sheets. Yeah. I think people overcomplicate this stuff too much, right? And then because they're like, well, what tool should I use? Should I use data studio? Should I use, you know, Datadog or Databox or whatever that, you know, it is? Or, you know, there's just like so many dashboarding tools out there and none of them quite work right. Mm -hmm. I just pull it manually. Honestly, I have a Google Analytics dashboard that pulls in most of these things. So I, uh, I could pull 90% of the metrics from there. But then things like how many words, you know, were uploaded, that kind of thing. I have like a, a statistics like dashboard baked within the, within Editor Ninja, within our admin section that I go and grab the rest from there, right? So like on Monday, it calculates all the words uploaded from the previous Sunday through the through Saturday. You know, I can just like pull those numbers there. So I'm not actually going like counting things up and manually tabulating it. So I have a couple different places where I can grab these metrics from, but it would be basically impossible to get my product metrics into a data studio, Google data studio or something like that. And to be honest with you, man, I don't have the attention or the desire or a day to go and try to like figure out how to do all of that within like data studio. It's just overpowered for where I'm currently at. Even with Credo, it's overpowered. Yeah, I think most of the allure there is like it's it's passive, like it's automated. I, in theory, it pulls all those things and it just presents it to you and then you can jump right into analysis and decision making. But it's kind of like Mint. Like I tried to use Mint for personal finance and all the connections were just constantly breaking and like the numbers were all wrong because expenses weren't categorized properly. And it's just like, man, this is almost more work than doing it manually. So I just stopped using Mint. And I think for the same reasons, I'd probably stop using those dashboards. Totally. Yeah. And, and I personally like the process and I like the consistency of pulling these numbers every week. It's like on Mondays, Monday morning, like I don't have any meetings till 10 o'clock on Monday. And that's my credo. Like we, we stand up with my team that I go into one-on-ones with my team. But before that I'm pulling like, so Sophia, my, that our admin at credo, um, she's pulling all the numbers and then I'm doing the marketing like dashboard. Eventually I could get her to do that. And then I'm going and doing editor ninja as well. So I start off my week by looking at the previous week. And then that lets me know if I need to shift my priorities because something went wrong the previous week at, you know, what, at, at either of those companies. So I really like that. I've just gotten into a good habit of that. And it really gets me just like in touch with the business numbers from the start of the week. Because the passive thing is you also don't look at it for a while, right? Like right. if I don't look at this for a while or I don't update it for like six weeks, a, I don't know my metrics, but also like, I know I have a ton of work to go back and, you know, and, and pull all these numbers together. I guess that is an upside to like having it passive. You cannot do it for six weeks, but I would also argue if you're like, you should do it every week, right? Like there is no yeah. excuse to not know your numbers every single week is, is my Yeah, take. I think the real downside is if you don't, if you have the passive dashboard, but you don't look at it because you know it's being tracked for you, then that becomes a problem. But doing it manually requires you to get in there and do it yourself. So you're going to have to look at it and, and know your numbers. Exactly. So, uh, exactly. Cool, man. Maybe that wraps up uh, the icebreaker. I think that'll be helpful for a lot of folks. I guess well, let's just jump straight into Editor Ninja updates. I think we're two weeks out because of the vacation there. So what's what's been going on the last couple of weeks? Yeah. So number of things going on. I had a four week running streak of new subscription customers going. That broke last week, but I did also get a couple of new like kind of one-off document people that one of them is almost definitely going to convert into a subscriber here in two to three weeks. So 
not a full loss for sure. No churn, which is great. I think last time we chatted, I talked about how I'm like really just trying to lean into customer success and really make like, really just get people to be loyal, right? And like with the goal of like reducing churn and doing it in a way that like they feel cared about, they are cared about, they are valued as customers. So it seems to be having a positive effect. I've gotten some emails from people that they're just like, man, you're like, you're asking for feedback and like, just communicating and telling us what's going on is amazing. And, you know, you've listened to feedback and you've adjusted and the editors are doing it. Like I have no reason to ever leave. I'm like, that feels awesome. And so that's been, that's been really, really good. And it just feels like we have a really solid base that we're building off of. Like I might hit the six figure ARR goal this month. Maybe I got a, there's a couple like wild cards out there, but if all the chips fall where they need to might hit that. We'll probably end up around like seven, seven thousand, seventy five hundred, something like that, which is cool. And yeah, so just on the operations side, hired two new editors because we need them. I had to fire one editor. I think I talked about a couple of weeks ago. So hired someone to replace them and then just hired another one that is coming on next week, just because we're at like 80, 85% capacity for our current editors. And once we hit about 80, we know we need to hire. I've also been working on some new like packaging of our services and uh, with that like pricing. So we can talk about that more. It's in my my challenges and topics to talk about today. And then just a quick like sales and marketing update. Traffic's continuing to grow. We three and a half X traffic to our services and use case pages since February. It's just like growing every month. I'm seeing our rankings creeping up. We're like top 10 in Google for most of our main keywords, copy editing services, proofreading, professional proofreading services. I think proofreading services is... I mean, A, it's lower value for us, but it's also more competitive. So like, I don't think we're top 10 for that one, but like a lot of our main blog post editing services, article editing services, that kind of thing, we're like creeping up. We're like six, seven, eight for a lot of those, which is awesome. So we're getting traffic from that. I don't know if we're getting conversions from that simply because traffic isn't super high yet, but also I broke our conversion tracking for about six (laughs) weeks. So I fixed that. (laughs) When I moved over to Savvy Cal, I forgot to have Savvy Cal, like when a demo is booked, Forgot to have them redirect to our like our you know our page that basically in Google Analytics says oh someone converted but it's fixed now so you know I'll have better data moving forward. I also did get a, an editor. One of our editors is a really good writer and so he's creating content for us. So a couple of blog posts a week. So I'm still doing I'm still writing content, sourcing a kind of expert quotes and such from Turkle T E R K E L. It's like a Haro competitor. So I'm sourcing them from there and then basically taking that. So I did one about like content strategy and how to build a content strategy. And then took that, took those like 10 quotes and turned it into a full-fledged like article and narrative around creating a content strategy. So that's kind of how I'm I'm handling the marketing side at this point. And then finally, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I hadn't made any progress on like a style guide creator tool. And as of yesterday, it is in a customer's hands. They created one. I need to like button it up and just like get their feedback and all that. But like, just like personally, I created the tool and then I've been meaning to create style guides for Editor Ninja and Credo for months now. And which like just felt like a big lift. And literally like I created the form and, and all that. And within seven minutes, had a style guide for Editor Ninja. It was like, holy crap, that's amazing. You know, I'm feeling really good about that. I'm going to try to basically like turn it into a product. So it's going to be free to customers is what I'm planning on. Like if you're a subscriber, you can just create style guides for all your customers. I don't give a shit if you're like, you know, you have 10 clients, you get a new client, you charge them $1,000 for a like style guide, a content style guide, and you create it for free in Editor Ninja. That's fine because like we also know we're going to be editing, you know, that that content. So, you know, it's going to be free for customers, just like trying to add as much value there as possible. And then we will have a paid option as well for like someone on our team to actually like look at it and 
design it and all that stuff. And then there'll be, it'll be a paid option for non-subscribers. But like, just this felt like a big win, you know, just to like get that live. I published Editor Ninja's style guide publicly today so people can look at that, you know, take some inspiration from that. So made some good progress over the last few weeks. That's really cool, man. And I think the the style guide thing is one of those where I personally, I'd sit there and wrestle with like, man, is this something that could just kill it on Product Hunt as a free resource and just attract mm. a ton of eyeballs to the site? Or is it something mm-hmm. that we should charge for? And it's not necessarily that you have to choose one or the other, but like, what I guess what you would have to do is you would have to probably do the product hunt lunch launch first and get all the mm-hmm. juice out of that you want to. And then six months later, like turn monetization on when everybody's forgotten about it, you know, or something like that. But it does strike me as like, man, that's a really nifty tool. And if it saved you as much time as you said it did, then I could see a lot of people being like, yeah, I'll throw my email in here to get my, to download the style guide that you just made for me in 15 minutes. You know, like, of course mm-hmm. I will. So I don't know. I like that. I actually hadn't considered that, but yeah, it's not an either or I feel like I could, you know, launch it. Yeah. Launch it on product hunt, get a ton of people to create style guides, right. Which is going to help them out and use it as lead gen, right. So we're getting their emails and subset are going to convert into customers. And then yeah, three months later, turn it into a, maybe even keep a free one, right. Where you just get like a PDF and it's just like all of your inputs, it's like formatted, you know, well with headings and that kind of thing. But like, that's what you get. But if you want like an editable one that you can maintain over time, right. And all of that, then, you know, it costs whatever couple hundred bucks but yeah it's brilliant i think i'm gonna do that nice work <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> mr marketer <laughs> if you want to if you want to straddle the two ideas you could almost reach out to like potential affiliate partners or referral sources and say like hey your audience mm-hmm. can have this for free it, it is a paid product maybe it costs 200 bucks 250 mm-hmm. bucks whatever it costs 500 dollars. i don't know but it's like hey for you content marketing influencer like if you share this with your audience they can get it totally free and you know whatever like Maybe there's some kind of commission structure where to incentivize the actual publisher, the influencer, but like you could yeah. kind of do it both where like you're still monetizing for cold traffic, but you're using it as a way to form connections with referral partners and affiliates that like leads with value for their audience, right? This is a $250 mm-hmm. asset that you know people are going to enjoy and it's it's exclusive for your audience and here's your code or whatever that they can enter during checkout. Sure. That could be the best of both worlds. I don't know, but there's something there I think that you could use to like fill the funnel basically. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like it. I like it. No, it's really... That's really smart. Yeah, I just been thinking about it as like, you know, just like launch as a product. But yeah, I think like launch it as like a free thing, right? And it's like adds a ton of value. No, I like it. I like it. Super cool. Let's let's do let's do castaway updates, I think. And then then maybe we can, you know, kind of talk. I've got a couple discussion points I'd love to discuss. One around like design and investing in design and another one around like how we expand packages. I know you've thought about like the packaging thing as well. So we'd maybe beat that horse a little bit, but we can get into it if you want. But what's going on at Castaway? There's no harm in continuing to talk about it if it's not solved, right? Like if it's not sure. solved, then you might as well keep riffing and iterating on it. But uh, let's see the castaway update. I had down that the time away is good, but sometimes for all the wrong reasons. Like I managed to fully unplug from both the day job and castaway, which was the goal. I think that's the goal is like to actually be able to take a vacation and not have to monitor your inbox or anything, but Mm -hmm. might've been a little too early because we did have a couple of systems fail. We recently migrated all of our email to a new domain and some stuff got left behind in the old inbox. Some stuff started dropping into our spam folder because of the domain change. Uh It was just kind of a mess with some notifications from software and also client communications. So nobody churned, thankfully, but there were some folks that were unintentionally left hanging with responses or project updates or things like that. So hard lesson learned there about 
wearing the belt and suspenders at the same time, redundancies, and maybe maybe not fully unplugging. I mean, I won't say that I didn't look at all, but for the most part, I was on the beach with my phone in the rental house, and I didn't even, I wasn't connected to the rest of the world at all, which is great, but like I said, might have just been a little bit too early to disconnect that much. So some hard lessons learned, and, and we're gonna put some fixes in place um, in terms of pipeline and sales. I think we landed a new client who indicates they want to start in October. Like we don't have dollars in hand, but I think it's a formality of sending them an invoice. The interesting thing about this one is that they have had someone doing castaway like repurposing for them in house. They're still a fractional employee. It's not their full-time gig, but like they're part of the team. They were a full-time hire. They went out independent mm -hmm. and this, this person basically rehired them as a client or whatever. So, but they're just dissatisfied with the quality of work that's being done there. And what makes me a little nervous is mm. they're like, well, I just don't think that this person has been nailing like our tone and our voice and the level of sophistication we would like to talk to our audience at. And the subject matter is something that I personally know that I, I think I could, you know, meet expectations there but I can't, I can't do this work forever. So I'm a little hesitant on whether they're a perfect fit client because of that. I'm always, I'm always a little hesitant when subjective things are one of the primary factors determining whether, you know, somebody stays on or whether they churn. So just something like my spidey sense is tingling a little bit there and we'll mm. see how it goes. But really the key takeaway there for me is like, it's still really hard to find a one size fits all service offering for a business like Castaway because there's always that 10 to 20% modification. Like I don't need this one type of asset you're making for me. I have a graphic designer that's doing that or whatever. You know, the dance there that I'm doing or the struggle that I have is like, when I have a full-time job, I wanna do truly productized service, right? I wanna rinse and repeat mm -hmm. the same exact executional plan for every single client because my time is limited and my attention's limited. But at the same time, the business is young enough and the revenue is meaningful enough that it feels wrong to turn down a project just because it needs some customization. So I don't know, I mm -hmm. think I'll pause there to get your reaction, but like my general thought is really excited to land a new client to begin here in a couple of weeks in October. There is customization to this and there is kind of a, not a red flag, but just a yellow flag maybe about like, they're, they have some strong opinions maybe about tone and voice. So I'm a little worried about the written assets, but overall, mm -hmm. like, I don't think I'm in a position to be picky just yet about the customization. So it's good to have more revenue in the door. And I think I'm just going to have to take whatever outcome comes from it, I guess. I think there's a few things there. Number one is and money's money, right? Like <laughs> is, is the money green? So like, especially when you're early on, I think it's okay to do that, right? As long as you have the time, you're willing to give the time and you're charging enough for the time that you're giving it, right? That you're not going to come to resent it. You won't resent it from the start. I'm not gonna say you won't come to resent it, but like you won't resent it from the start, right? So, and you can, you know, you can learn. Also to the specific, like, you know, tone and voice thing, I would ask them like, what have you tried? How have you defined your tone and voice? Like, do you have a style guide, right? Like, do you have examples of the tone and voice that you're going for, right? So it, so you can, it, so it isn't subjective, right? And also send the expectations that like, when you hire someone new, tone of voice is, you're, you're going to have feedback, right? There's going to be more feedback at the start than there's going to be at the, than there's going to be later on. So the goal is like you nail the feedback, you nail, you know, you take the feedback and then you do a better, excuse me, better job of nailing the tone of voice than current person has done, right? But them understanding that like, they're not just going to be able to hand it off to you that you've never worked with them before and you're instantly going to be better than, you know, someone else. Like there's always training. Right. But it also starts with like formalizing it, getting it out of the founder's head. Right. This is exactly what I'm trying to do with Editor Ninja and Credo. Creating these style guys to get them to get it out of my head. So there's one central place where people can go. New writers come on. It's like, cool. 
here's our style guide, right? Here's how we think about like writing. Here's like how we want to come across. Here's how we want to be perceived in the market. Here are brand colors, right? Like that kind of thing. You know, here's how we do H1s and H2s and you know, everything's if it's focused on SEO. Here's how we think about that. Here's like the you know things to take into account, like all those things. So I don't have to go back and give someone feedback that they didn't do something when I didn't tell them that they needed that they needed to do that. So right. I don't know. That's that's my take. I think there's so there's the like money's green, cool, but also there are some ways to like mitigate some of this like spidey, you know, spidey sense tingling. Just because it's tingling doesn't mean it's not something you should do, but you should also look to mitigate it. Is my yeah general take. Yeah, I think that's a solid point. And I I did in the sales conversation set expectations like, look, I wouldn't expect to nail it right out of the gate either. I think the main sticking point here is that you worked with somebody for a year and they're still not getting it. Like that just shows a misalignment or a lack of interest in getting better or something like that. But I think that if we say, Hey, give me a couple of months, right? Between a couple of months, we'd have eight iterations of this. I would expect to be like 95% satisfaction rate with tone and voice by that point, for sure. Maybe our first version Mm -hmm. is like 70% and there's a lot of feedback and that's fine. Then the second version will be 78% and the third version will be 85%. We'll work our way up. But, and they seem to be aligned with that. I think I think we were yep. in agreement that like, man, chipping away at this for a year and not really seeing any improvements is kind of a problem. So if that happens, I would expect yeah. to be fired. Like that means we're just totally not adjusting in a way that we need to be. So so the last point I had here on updates was I called it trend spotting. And uh, it's kind of related to what we were just talking about. Like I'm seeing more and more people or companies that are like working in public, believing in content repurposing specifically around audio and video. But it seems like a lot of folks are trying to do things in-house. And uh, I think this is mainly, this is my guess. I think this is mainly because they want to have quicker turnarounds. So they don't want to wait a week for assets to be ready. They kind of want somebody to Mm. come in and work near full time and like have it ready tomorrow. And I think they also want to have more editorial control. So like if it takes us a week week to put something together and they have edits and it takes another week to incorporate those edits, it wouldn't take that long. It might take a couple of days once we have the first version. But I just suspect that like they want to move fast and break things, right? So I'm looking at that as like a little bit of a threat to what we offer. But Two things. One, we live in a world of abundance. There will always be somebody who wants to outsource this fully to a managed team. So I'm not too worried about it. But the other thing is like, what I'm doing right now is really hard and and juggling all these different pieces and like getting all these multidisciplinary folks to work together toward a single goal is not easy. And so I think that like, the folks who do try to bring this in-house, they're going to either have trouble finding the right talent, they're going to have trouble managing the various pieces, they're going to have trouble hitting the deadlines and keeping everybody in alignment. Like They're going to run into the same challenges I am. And uh, you know, I think that just history shows that most people will throw in the towel and they'll either look for a solution like Castaway or they'll stop pursuing repurposing altogether. So ultimately, I think it's kind of a low risk environment, but it is something that like I've seen out there in, in terms of people sharing and saying like, we're building a team around this to become a media company and all that. So I, I don't know, I guess it's more of a share than than an update, but just like, yeah, something I'm keeping mm-hmm. my eye on and might be impacting other people out there if they're in like, you know, adjacent businesses. Yeah, I, I think the the rising tides of lifts all ships thing is, is a good way to take it. Also like just recognizing that I think especially in something like this where you're so, it's so early, right? And people are like really starting to invest in it. People are going to want to try to hack it together themselves. And then they're going to realize how freaking hard it is. And they're just going to want someone to do it for them. And what you're competing against is like, I mean, it's kind of what agencies compete against just overall, right? I'm pulling from my credo experience here that, you know, I, I tweeted something about this yesterday where we talked to people that they're like, oh, I don't want an agency because, you know, they have all this overhead, right? I don't want to pay for their overhead. So I'm just going to put together a bunch of freelancers, right? And manage them myself. I'm like, well, don't want to pay for an account manager. You are the account manager. 
Also, you're trying to take five different independent people who are expressly independent, working independently, not on a team, and trying to get them to work together as a team, and they don't even know each other. Seems like a terrible idea to me. You know, we have to like say it better than that, or I just like kind of present it to them. They're like, oh yeah, that does seem terrible. Like, yeah, exactly. So like, that's kind of what you're competing against. And so I think if you can show somewhere on your site that like, I mean, you could even do like a table or something like that. Like, here's how you can hack it to get, here's how you can do it on your own, right? And show them everything that's involved. Or you just hire Castaway and we're like, you know, you're going to need five people here and each one's minimum going to cost you $1,000 a month, right? To do all of this and you're going to have to manage them or you hire us for $2,000 a month and we already have all of that and we just take care of it for you, right? Kind of let them make the choice, right? Like when you make that choice extremely clear to them, when you actually state it, because they probably haven't heard it stated before. They probably haven't actually thought through it and through the like the challenges. Once you actually state it and they have to like make a specific choice to do it the hard way, some people are going to do that. Don't get me wrong, right? And those ones I'm like, Godspeed, sir. Good luck, <laughs> you know? Right. But like reasonable people, smart people are going to be like, oh, okay, that seems terrible. Okay, let, yeah, and you're, you're how much cheaper? And it's okay, I can deal with like two days longer turnaround, right? To not go through all that pain. So I yeah. think that's what you're, you know, you're competing against. I do the same thing with Editor Ninja where I'm like, yeah, you know, we're like, we're pacing, you know, how much we edit for you every single day, but like, what's the alternative, right? You go find a, an editor, you hope they work out, you hope they don't leave, you try to retain them, you have to deal with paying them and like all this stuff. Just pay us and we just get it done, right? And like, that's an effective pitch for sure. Like you can get started tomorrow versus like two months from now, once you've gone through this process of, you know, anyways, go for it. Yeah, I was gonna say, I wonder how much of this is because I'm pretty plugged into the to the the market, I guess. And I know of maybe 10 competitors that truly offer something similar to what we do. And even then, it's not 100% overlap. Like, I wonder how many of these folks are in insourcing it or in housing it because they just don't know that there are agencies that specialize in this, like, they think they have to go find a full fledged right. creative agency, that's going to have a five figure monthly mm -hmm. expense. And they don't know that somebody very specifically specializes in repurposing podcasts into, you know, these various marketing assets, and therefore, they don't sure. think they have another option. So part of that, I think, is an awareness play. But ultimately, mm -hmm. I think this works in my favor, because like, these people are either self-educating about what it takes to do proper repurposing or somebody else has already educated them and that's why they're trying it. So like they just jumped straight to middle of funnel. Like I don't have to do top of funnel education for these folks. Like as soon as they figure out that this is too hard to do, if I can put myself in front of them at that point, then I think the close becomes super easy because it's like they already get it and they get how complicated it is and how hard it is and they get the value of it, but they don't know how to connect like what they're doing now to you know, capturing that value and you mm. just put in Castaway there as the bridge and it's like, how much is it? Okay, cool. Let's do it. So I think it can work out well. And it's almost to the point where like, if I see a tweet about somebody experimenting with this or starting to build a team, like set a reminder for six months from now to send them a cold email. And I bet they'll be in a place where it's like, yeah, that totally didn't work out or it's not going great. Or yeah, I'd love some of my time back to not have to manage all these assets. So if I can transition mm -hmm. to you and pick up with like, one point of contact instead of six with six different invoices and six different billing structures and all that kind of stuff, then yeah, that sounds pretty good to me. So I don't know, I think it could work in my favor, but yeah, maybe let's pivot and wrap up with a couple of, uh, I don't know, what are, what do we call this, this section of the show, the therapy session? Is that what we need? Like what places where we need a little, a little, the, the coaching corner, right? It's coaching yeah, corner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think what you just said about like people coming to know, you know, know that it even exists, right. And knowing about like, there's like awareness of their, space is interesting because something i've been thinking about I, I think i want to talk about like the the like brand and design thing i've been thinking a lot about how i set editor ninja apart 
in the space, right? Because a lot of our competitors are boring. Like you look at their mm-hmm. sites and it's just super utilitarian, super like early web two B2B. We do content editing services, like sort of stuff, right? But like, I feel like Enter Ninja has an opportunity to be like a brand, like a strong brand, like a design pickle, like esque, you know, like strength of brand, opinionated, colorful, fun, that kind of thing. Like editing should be fun, right? It doesn't have to be boring and like a, you know, an expense. It can be a, a profit center for you as well. But I've been thinking about like how how much is worth it to do it now, right? Like, and, and I actually just posted this morning on Twitter, like, you know, and I made it like not. I didn't reference editor and I should, but I don't know why I didn't. But basically, like I basically asked people, like, you know, you have a new service that you want to invest in brand, you want to invest in design early on, you don't have a designer on staff, where would you start? Right. And so I guess I'm curious for you, like, how would you think about kind of investing in brand and like design for early on in a way that serves a business, right? We're not doing design for design's sake. I, I want to do like design and have a well-designed service, well-designed site, like easy to use like software, like that sort of stuff, because it's just a, it's a nicer experience and it is such a support. So how would you, I've gotten some good replies from different places online, but like, how would you, how would you think through this? Yeah. So a couple of things that I would say to that one is that, you know, I'm not a big believer in that. Like you have to have a quote unquote brand from day one. Like a lot of people Mm. believe in brand and like the branding is their church. That's their religion or whatever. And, and they define it in different ways. So you never really know if we're all talking about the same thing. Some people think brand is your logo and your, your font, your color palette. And like, that's your brand. And then some people are like, this is just a feeling that customers get when they interact with your company and your team. And that's your brand. And so it's squishy. Yeah. Whenever we talk about it, it's important to like make sure that everybody's talking about the exact same thing. But I would say like in the earliest days, there's there's a minimum viable level of polish that you need to have to make somebody willing to open their wallet and buy from you with confidence. And I would say that like mm-hmm. Editor Ninja is there right now. And then I think the next evolution of that is some aspect of design and branding that separates you from the pack. So there's like, if you have a very basic website that's black text on a white background, you're gonna have trouble selling against somebody who has something with a little bit more style and polish. That's the Mm -hmm. first step you gotta take. And I think you're already there. In terms of like separating from every other editing service out there, I think that's probably the next leap that you're going to make. And I think that's really, in my experience at least, that's where a brand gets its like personality. And I think we talked Mm -hmm. about this on the last episode where you had some of those headshots taken and you have those bright, vibrant colors. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, you should just port this over to the editor Ninja brand because I've never seen an editing service with like purples and yellows and and bright greens and stuff like that. It's always like, you know, dry, sterile, like pastel blues or navy and and stuff like that, or like red and grays. And it's like, eh, it just has, it has no personality. Right. And I think Mm -hmm. that this ties into my next point with like, I think editors are largely viewed as people who are like uptight and they like always wear glasses, right? And they hang out in the library and it's like, that's not who editors really are, right? But that's, that's, I feel like that's the general perception, but they also, they also go to like punk rock shows in the evening and stuff like that. And so I think there is an opportunity to inject some personality into this stereotypical avatar of the quote unquote editor. And I think one of the ways to do that would be to embrace some of that, some of that nerdiness. Like, I think I've seen these shirts or posters or something, but it's like, I don't even remember what it said, but something like Oxford comma or die, right? Like one of the really polarizing yeah. opinions that is like mm-hmm. in the editing world, but everybody else kind of gets it too. At least if you're in marketing mm-hmm. or like content marketing, like you kind of get this, this opinion, the stance on the Oxford comma. Or like if you had a poster or a t-shirt that was like the difference between a hyphen and an M dash and, and those things are like, I don't know, just mm-hmm. little like 
jo inside jokes, right, that only editors would get. I think some some kind of personality, I'm not saying you got to go out and make t-shirts, but I think, I think that's the next evolution to separate mm. you from the rest of the pack is like, Everybody else, or even just like, I know you've done some of this, but it's like, here's a picture of a billboard with a typo in it. And like, just use a red pen on your computer, highlight the typo, like use the proper AP styling, like to, to modify that, like it was a school paper and then post sure. that on Instagram, like just little mm. inside jokes like that. I think, cause I was just, I almost sent you a picture. I was reading one of my kids books and I'm surprised by how many children's books have typos in them, like completely so like add an S on the end of a word. And I'm like, you printed 20,000 copies of this and somehow it, and it only has 12 pages. Like who misses this typo? So stuff like that, I think would be really funny. And it's like, it, it, I think it's one of those things where like, sure, you could do a total website facelift. You could do a rebrand. You could have a designer do a new logo. Mm -hmm. But I think the way that I view brand as a holistic, like representation of the company and how people view you, I think those little micro activities if somebody follows you long enough, they start to accumulate and then they're like, oh, well, Editor Ninja is the editing service with humor or the editing service that is personable and not stuffy and uptight sure. or the editing service that like keeps their finger on the pulse of emerging trends. I think mm -hmm. that's like where you get. So in terms of investing, I don't know what that means in terms of like where to allocate dollars, but I do think that like you have some of those components already in place. And I think it's more about being strategic about how they get deployed as more of a, like I said, a holistic mm -hmm. view of who Net Editor Ninja is and like what they mm -hmm. want to represent. Yeah, no, I, I, I like that. Yeah, and that, that's somewhat like the tone and voice and like we're playful, we're helpful, like, you know, that kind of thing is, I, I got an interesting reply from um, this guy, his name's Rafal Tamal, he's Polish. Rafal said, Number one, hire a good copywriter first. So someone that like, you know, gets the brand or like, you know, whatever, or just like me being good at copy. Number two is invest money in an A-class designer, like $3 sign. So like big money in an A-class designer mm -hmm. to establish simple to maintain brand guidelines and redesign your sales page, which is an opportunity for quick ROI. True. So maybe like redesigning our pricing page or something like that. And then number three, hire a marketing designer to just follow the guidelines and create other assets, right? So it's like, make sure copy is on point and your brand in like the copy speaks to how you want the brand to be perceived, then hire an actual designer to build your style system, build your style guide and, and, you know, something that's easy to maintain and redesign like a conversion page, which makes sense. And then hire a marketing designer to basically like create assets, which I thought seemed like a reasonable way to do it. Right. So it kind of takes what, what you've said about like things that we could do and builds an action plan for who to hire and like how to, how to kind of sequence it. Yeah. And I think the the key point that I took away from that as reinforcement for what I was trying to communicate is like consistency, right? And that's where you start with that style guide, you pay the big money designer to figure that out. And then from there on out, everybody from the copywriter to the marketing designer, to the social media manager, to the founder, even like when you're talking about editor ninja, it better align with this style guide. And that's, that's both the more of the quantitative elements, whereas like, we, we don't use stock photography, we use illustrations or vice versa to more of the qualitative stuff. Like when we speak, we try to be like charming, but not overly funny. Like don't force it because funny's not easy. The humor's not easy for everybody or whatever, like, you know, that kind of thing. So I think that's what I would be getting at, but you need that strong foundation. And, and I think any graphic designer or any designer worth the money that you're paying for them is going to start with like a competitive analysis and a, a bit of a mood board. So it'd be like, hey, what are the other editing services doing out there? And it's like probably a lot of the same stuff. So it's not really hard to stand out. It's more like, how do we want to stand out? And I think that how comes from your mood board and you're like, well, what are some, some companies in other areas of the world that have the feeling you're going for? 
and how do we apply that to editing? So, I mean, that, that could be like your arcade down the street, or it could be a football team that you follow, or it could be a restaurant that you really like. And so you bring those things in and you start to lay those on top of each other. And you're like, well, if I just put all these like snippets on a wall, the commonalities here seem to be bright, vibrant colors, curvy, scripty fonts, you know, whatever. And that's where you start to get kind of clarity of vision. And then when they put that into the style guide, as long as that's applied universally and consistently there throughout, I think the branding part mm-hmm. kind of takes care of itself. Yeah. To an extent, I think, and, and like, I'm going to share something that I haven't shared anywhere publicly yet, that we engaged with a designer at Credo to basically help us like iterate on the brand, on the like visual. And so like he's created a style guide and all that. We'll be updating the site over time. Don't really have a timeline on it, but we're, we're planning to do that. And he did exactly that. And he's like, super professional designer. I think it was early Slack or something like that. And, you know, he's done work with a ton of big brands and we did like a, a project on Credo and basically he came up with a super cool brand identity. Like what's the look and feel you're going for, right? And so like, what, what how does that map into headings? How does that map into the, the logo? And how do we set ourselves aside from, you know, other people, like not only in the space, but also like all the other Credos out there, you know, that kind of thing. And like at the end, I was like, holy crap, this is amazing. And, you know, then the goal is like, take that, put it into a, you know, into the style guide, redo the site, redo the app, like that kind of thing, redesign it. But just that right there, like establishing a stronger brand identity is huge. So, you know, I may go to him, I may go back to him and be like, hey, you know, can we do a trim down version? Because like, I, I don't yeah. have anywhere near the revenue at Edernage as I do at Credo. But like, at this point, I don't want to invest six, seven K into that, right? Like, but could we do like a trim down version for three? So yeah, yeah. but no, I, I think I think you've, you've got a lot of wisdom. I think so. at least half the value of that experience is clarity of thought around what you want to portray. I think there's a, there's mm-hmm. a trickle down effect from that kind of stuff into messaging because a lot of the designers will say like, how do you want somebody to feel when they land on your site or when they interact with your business? And just thinking through that is like, I don't know, like how do people usually feel when they buy editorial services? Like probably not great, right? Like it, it probably feels like putting new windows in your home. You're like, okay, well there's 15 grand and like that didn't feel good because sure it keeps my house warmer and cooler when I want it. But like, that's not a sexy way to spend money. Like I'd rather buy a car or something with 15 grand. So like, that's probably how people feel when they're buying editing services is like, yeah, I'm, I'm spending this money and like, it's going to make my stuff better, but I don't know. I'm not particularly excited about it. So then you think about like, well, how do we change that? Right? Like, I don't know. And and then I think there's like a forcing function there where you think about what you want your identity to be and what you want to be known as and what you want, how you want to be perceived. And there's, there's nuggets of wisdom or there's inspiration that comes out of that, that you're like, oh, well, we got to go change the headline on our website. Like this, this headline will align way more with some of the branding style guide that we're putting together. So I think there's value just in the exercise, but obviously you need to use the assets and apply them to really get hundred percent of the value. Right. Yeah. There's, there's something really valuable about the, and this was super valuable at Credo where like our first couple calls were all about just like, how do you want the brand to be perceived, right? What are some words that describe you? Like a lot of the stuff that's in the content style guide tool that I've created at Editor Ninja is like, was some of it was based on that. And then he's then able to take that and turn it into like individuals, right? Like he presented some things to, to us that like, you're currently doing this like as a table, but we could do it in these three different images and it's gonna make it clearer and just look more professional, look more designed. You know, and so it, then it should convert. And, you know, I was like, oh, crap, I had never thought about that. You know, like this is why you work with a professional, you know. So things like that, it's like, oh, yeah, this totally like this totally makes sense. And it actually gets at like what 
how we're wanting the brand to be perceived and where the brand is going as well. You know, so obviously like we're way earlier at Editor Ninja, but I think investing in that from the start is going to be way better than like seven years in, like we did at Credo. So I would agree with that, man. All right. Well, I know we're running up against time, so maybe we'll we'll save uh, whatever other points we have for the next time we get together. As always, yeah. really appreciate your time and your mentorship here, man. And uh, we'll just let the folks know that this episode will go live on workingsessions.fm. And as always, we've got a link in the primary navigation there to ask a question. If you want to be a future icebreaker and have us address some thought that you have on your mind, go ahead and drop it in there and uh, maybe we'll see you on a future episode. Yeah. All right. See you later, everybody. Thanks, James. Talk to you later, man. Yeah.